Part 3. 1830. Is it set up? Din asked Isao. Isao Tanaka, naked but for a gas mask, nodded. Do you have the remote control? Den asked. No, Isao replied. You do. Den smiled. And so, he said, you're coming back in the room, and what you're seeing is perfectly, perfectly normal. Just Shay removing the incense burners, and the air will clear presently, and you'll be unaware of having been in a trance, but you'll follow instructions, and here you are now. Jenny blinked and shook her head. I'm really going to look forward to this, she said. As Megumi leaned past her to clear away her burner, she smiled. Thank you, she said to the naked woman wearing a gas mask. Dash. Jenny, Den said. Jenny met Den's gaze. And, come, Den said, his voice low and smooth. He added emphasis to his command with a beckoning gesture. As the guests chatted, Jenny found herself rising from her chair, her body throbbing underneath, and stumbling forwards towards Den. Her entire gaze was locked on his eyes, her body responded to his command, while her mind floated behind her eyes, unaware of anything, unaware of her body, just floating, fixed on Den. You felt my power before, Den said. In the television studio, where we met. Yes, Jenny said. I have felt this power. That was on the screen, Den said. On the set in the studio. But also, you remember the time I took you out of the green room, away from the presenters and the crew. Yes, Jenny replied. Fiona took me to one side, after the show, and we discussed a deal, and then we met in the green room. You were talking to Fiona, the floor manager and Marty, and, and Fiona took me to a room where you and I talked further. Only, Den said, you never remembered what we really talked about, did you? Jenny shook her head. Show them, Den said. He turned to face the assembled guests. Watch Jennifer Frotsham, he said. Jenny turned to face Saga and their people, and Dan and Cassie. Slowly, she began to remove her clothes. Tamara was on hand to collect each item as it came off. Within minutes, Jenny stood naked in front of the others. Her fingers covered her neat triangle of glistening wet pubic hair. One of the boys, next, Den said, beckoning again. Dan, come. Cassie gasped as Dan Cornings lurched to his feet and stumbled towards Den, his gaze locked on the man. It feels so good, doesn't it? Dan asked. Yes, Dan replied. Show the guests what you will do for me, Den said. Undress, like Jenny. Oh God, Dan replied, turning to face the other guests, and undressing as if his hands belonged to someone else. Presently he, too, stood naked. Back to the table, Den said. He looked at Cassie. You, he said. Dash. The last guest to face Den was Saga. They looked at Den with blank eyes. You, in particular, care about your body image, Den said. Yes, Saga replied. Do you want to show the others today, here, right now? Den asked, placing a hand on their sleeve. Saga nodded. Yes, they replied. It's important, isn't it? Den asked. Yes, Saga said. You want to show everyone who you are, Den said. Yes, Saga said. Then do so, Den said. Saga turned and slowly disrobed. Every item you take off, Den said, is asserting who you are, and showing that you're eager to let people see you in your glory. Yes, Saga whispered, as they removed the last of their clothes and stood before the other naked guests in all their glory. 
those of you who are wearing gas masks, Den said, come forwards and remove them, one by one. Shelley, first, followed by Morgan. Shelley stepped forwards, to stand beside Saga. She pulled off her mask, the gesture felt as hot and sexy as if she just stripped down out of a full outfit. Thanks, Shelley, Den said. Go and get the food ready. Morgan, come here. Morgan took a few steps forward and removed his mask as well. Den looked at Saga and glanced at Dan, both seemed just as turned on by the old man being naked as they were turned on by Jenny, or Saga or Megumi. Who's next? Den said, looking at Isao and Tamara. Isao took a step forwards. Eventually, all of the gas masks had been removed and the room was full of naked people, all apart from Den, who undressed slowly, moving from person to person, removing one item of clothing at a time until he stood naked in front of Megumi. Now, he said, everybody is ready. Dash. Twenty years ago, Isao said, I had an idea. In fact, I dreamed about it. He stood before the screen. Lauren stood beside the projector, and everybody else had gathered around the table to watch. Isao advanced to the first slide. An artist's rendition of a campus of buildings appeared on the screen. Sunlight through tree branches dappled the ground, and people milled about the base of a clock tower in the center of a public square. I wanted to build a facility, Isao said, to awaken creative minds. The next image flashed into the screen. It showed a street full of people, staring vacantly into the middle distance as they went about their day. Look at them, Isao said. They are shopping. Clothes, smartphones, gadgets, cosmetics, presents for loved ones. Their work has given them disposable income, they're not poor, but how many of those people do you see smiling? He paused and let the image sink in. I don't see much fulfillment, contentment, or even awareness of the world. People are lost in their own thoughts, but judging by their expressions I wouldn't exactly call them happy thoughts. He looked at the guests. They, are unaware. Their lives are unexamined. The unexamined life is not worth living, I believe the saying goes. Well, I believe it. I'd like you to picture a place where you can, as the self-help book so blithely put it, find yourself. A place where you can come to terms with whatever it is that has been keeping you from being somebody amazing. He advanced to the next image, happy, smiling students coming to study, men and women, of different colors and apparent creeds, with a light of fulfillment and joy shining in their eyes. Places where you can learn to make a difference, however young or old you are. The next slide showed two mature women, one with red hair, the other blonde, relaxing together, seated, reading books. Wherever you come from, wherever you point your star, I have wanted to create a place where you can truly learn what it means to live. He looked at the guests. The Moore Institute is my dream, he said. And I aim to build it here. Dash. Lights, Ben said. And as the lights come back on, you'll come back in the room, and you'll remember every detail you absorbed, and then some. Tamara, working the light panel, brought the lights back up in the room. Guests blinked and shook their heads. Jenny yawned. Shay and Lauren were already wheeling the projector and the screen back behind the partition. Everybody was still naked, and everybody was still feeling perfectly okay about this. How do you feel? Dan asked. I adore your vision, Dan asked. But how much will the Mar Institute cost to set up? At current costs, Isao said, around 50 million pounds. Dan heard some sharp intakes of breath. We, we don't have that kind of money, 
he said. But Isao was already shaking his head. It's not your money I want, he said. We're not after your disposable income. The only thing we want you to invest is your time, your energy, your endorsements. You just want us to back your play, Jenny asked. Nothing else? Dan found himself looking at Cassie. She caught his look and nodded. Dan, spotting this, smiled. Nothing else, Isao replied. You might even get a small cut for your troubles. He paused. We're after some money from someone else. Murmurs rose from the table. Are you going to bring them around this table as well, sometime? Asked Carl London. I like this place. I have never felt so free in all my days, and I really want to be like this with everybody here. Saga, Greta, Jenny, Cassie, and Dan murmured in agreement. But I really don't know how you're going to do that again. Isau stepped forwards. It took me until recently to find the one person who could bring financiers to fund this project, he said. There is a TV show called Dragon's Den, where people go in front of some rich financiers to try and convince them to fund these entrepreneurs' dreams. Isau gestured and then came forwards. Someone who can speak to them in a language that he knows they cannot resist. He looked at Den. Somebody, who can tame dragons. Dash. They awoke, to the light of dawn. The guests opened their eyes, sat up, and looked about. They had slept in the training room, all night, on inflatable airbeds, beneath warm, fuzzy blankets of a dark blue color which matched the color of the airbeds and which, more than anything, looked like Cookie Monster's pelt. Dan woke up Cassie, who looked at him. What the hell did we have to drink last night? She whispered. Beside her, Belinda woke up next to Jennifer Frodsham on their own dark blue airbed. Jenny looked at Belinda. You are good, she said. I want to bring my girlfriend along next time to meet you. I'll be pleased to meet her, Belinda said. Across from them, the rest of the guests began waking up, Saga and Aisha, Carl and Greta. As they sat up, Dazed and confused, they saw Shay, Camera, Megumi, Isal, Lauren, and the baristas from the Pasta Cafe, opening their eyes and coming to. The table had been partially cleared of the leftovers from the night before. There were sounds of clattering and clashing metal coming from the food prep area at the back. Shelley, Morgan, and Den were nowhere to be seen. Slowly, everyone began to rise from their airbeds, shivering in the cool air and feeling weirdly sheepish at the sight of all the naked flesh around them. I remember something, Cassie said, touching Dan's arm. We fooled around, but in the end we went to bed with each other. It looks as if almost all of us, at least those with partners, slept with those partners, Saga said, as Den entered the room, dressed. You wouldn't have felt a hundred percent comfortable otherwise, Den said, to Saga. He turned to look at Jenny. You needed someone, and your partner never showed up. A shame. She missed out on one hell of a party. Belinda looked at Jenny. Don't worry, she said. We didn't do anything. She smiled. My own girlfriend Devon would have had me arrested or something. You've got a cop girlfriend? Jenny asked. Belinda nodded. Jenny looked down. Bundles of clothing had been neatly folded and placed on small mats beside them. Someone had put labels on top of the clothes. Jenny looked at hers. It read Lauren. Beneath it was Lauren's clothes. Belinda showed her the label on her clothing. It read Dan. They looked at one another, then at everybody else in the room, who had also just discovered that somebody had put the wrong clothes beside everyone. 
Oh my god, Jenny said, blushing. Dash. Finally, after everyone had had a chance to go up to someone else, naked and hand them their proper clothes, everybody was finally dressed and ready to go. Lauren and Megumi had brought out the chairs again for everybody to sit on. The tables had been cleared away, the screen and projector and partition screens moved to the back of the room, and it was just the guests facing Den. Let's just take a moment, Den said. All the time you need, to really get to know what it's like. Sighs of release tension filled the room. Without asking, the guests closed their eyes. This was just a moment of thought, not a trance. What's it like, Den said, when you really hit all the top notes, when you hit all the marks, when nothing can stop you. Den saw a few smiles. When something like last night happens, and you enjoyed it, because you met so many great people, and you can't wait to get to know one another better, and bring them into your lives, because they want to bring you into theirs. The smiles broadened. Almost all of the guests were smiling, now. You can help, Den said. Help bring Isao's dream of the Moir Institute to life. He smiled. We can do this together, and all it needs is your enthusiasm, and the investment of your time, and your new friendships together, which means you'll be in on the ground floor, of something big, and it won't cost you money, and the more you put into it, the more you'll feel good and relaxed about it. Heads were nodding. Smiles were broad, relaxed. Dot and the deeper you are, the deeper your friendship and trust, Den said. So deep. So deep, murmured the guests. And so, when you're going back home, you'll know what you know now, Den said, and you'll think long and hard about ways you can help, and in a short while we'll call you and we can talk again. And we can meet again, regularly, like last night, and we can talk about what you need, and how the Mar Institute can get that for you. So in a way, Den said, helping us out, helps you out, too. Dash. Den, Lauren, and Isao watched as the last car left the premises. Shelley and her father Morgan had gone into town shopping, the baristas and Belinda had returned to the pasta cafe, and taken the catering equipment with them. Tamara, Shay, and Megumi had joined the pasta staff. Dan and his mistress Cassie, and Saga, Aisha, Greta, and Carl, had already gone, and the Uber leaving the premises bore Jenny Frotcham in the back seat. They stood in the lobby, listening to the silence. That's half of them, Isau said. Yes, Den said. I can't even begin to imagine how you did that, Isau added. Den smiled. It's a trade secret, he chuckled. I haven't got words to describe how I am feeling right now, Lauren said. She looked at Isau. Take me home, husband, she whispered. Isau and Lauren left, without looking back. Den watched as they departed, holding hands. He watched as they got into Lauren's car, and drove away. The car park was empty. The duty security staff had been dismissed until the shift change at 2 p.m. There was nobody else in the building. Den grinned, looked around, and slowly stripped naked. Carrying his clothes to his office over the entrance, Den laid them out on his high-backed executive chair. His phone rang. It was Beryl, Den's mum. Hi, mum, Den said. How are you? I'm all right, she said. Were you at work all night? Yeah, Den replied. You know how I feel about sleeping at the workplace, she said. Don't worry, Den said. I got a good night's sleep. I was safe as houses. I know, Beryl said. Only, with a fire. I know, Mum, Den replied. I'm okay. And I'll be back home after twelve.
There's a shift change for the security personnel. Okay, Dan, Beryl said. See you later, Ben. See you later, Mum, Dan said. And can you get me some honey? I'm all out. I will, Dan replied. Bye for now, Mum. The phone hung up. Dan stood and sighed and checked his naked body. Time, he said, to go for a walk around my place of work. 